From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of LPL Market Signals. Jeff Bookbinder here today with you, along with my good friend and colleague, Quincy Crosby. Uh, Quincy, thanks so much for joining us today. You got, uh, you got thrown into the rotation unexpectedly. Because yeah. uh, Je- Jeffrey Roach uh, had uh, an unexpected conflict. He's traveling and wasn't able to uh, work this into his very busy schedule. So we uh, we swapped guests today. Um, and But no matter who we have, we're going to have a great discussion. Uh, it is uh, May 1st, 2023, as a reminder um, for our friendly compliance people uh, and anyone who listens to this later. Uh, and uh, let's get right into it. So um, here's our agenda for this week. We've got a, you know, the market recap that we always have. We have a Fed preview, of course. The probably the biggest event of the week uh, is the Fed, but we have a lot of earnings, including the big name Apple uh, reporting this week. Uh, so we'll talk about earnings because we're a little over halfway through earnings season, and believe it or not, estimates have been rising. I think this title sums it up. Wait, what? Because <laughs> I don't think too many people expected earnings estimates to rise during earnings season. They do not typically do that. And in this environment, especially uh, where many think, including ourselves, that we'll probably end up in a mild recession here before too long, that that doesn't make a lot of sense to people. So we'll we'll try to uh, unpeel that. And then lastly, uh, we'll look at the other events of the week. Actually, the jobs report uh, would normally be the highlight of the week, but there's just so much else going on that It'll get attention, um, but uh, maybe not uh, as much as it usually does. So um, starting with the recap, uh, so last week, S&P 500 was up, Quincy, but not up huge. Uh, And uh, as you can see here, for those looking at the chart, we're at the high end of this range, pretty much right at the February highs. So um, I'll give you the first question, Quincy, is, is why do stocks continue to go higher? Because... You know, we just had a another bank failure over the weekend uh, in First Republic Bank, and there's certainly a lot of reasons to be cautious here in terms of the economic environment, and yet stocks keep going up. Well, the, the companies are coming out with uh, some really attractive reports, not to mention guidance. We had a host of companies on the consumer staple side coming out and just saying, we're raising prices and uh, Consumers are buying, and they ha- and they confirmed their full year guidance. Everything from uh, Johnson and Johnson, which is on the pharmaceutical side, to Procter and Gamble, to uh, Coca Cola, to PepsiCo, Chipotle was was strong. That was very helpful. Uh, and then over on the tech side, uh, we had a string of positive reports. Now, granted, a lot of people point to Amazon, but, you know, when the initial report itself came out, uh, it was greeted with open arms by the market. Uh, Many people said that was the algorithms reading it. But obviously what what hurt Amazon uh, day of the earnings uh, was the guidance in the in the call that, you know, many of their customers are budgeting in terms of cloud. Uh, and that, and the guidance was uh, fairly cautious, and that really, uh, I think, hurt hurt Amazon's share price for a number of trading sessions. But overall, it's been positive. 
I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. I would attribute most of the gains last week to earnings. And then you had, um, you know, maybe the market expressing some comfort with the banking situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, even as sentiment has been uh, certainly leaning uh, bearish of late. Yeah. Um, here are the uh, market returns, intramarket or regional returns uh, for past week. You see here the S&P up you know, almost 1% for the week. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of more mixed in, in Europe, um, you know, not particularly exciting moves uh, there. I think what's most interesting is on the sector side, you see these really big weeks for tech and communication services. And that is where Meta and Microsoft live. Those stocks surged on earnings results. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, certainly, um, I, I think it's fair to say that the demand picture, the revenue picture was a little bit better than people thought, but you also have I think the market's celebrating the cost controls uh, that we've seen there as well. You certainly, we don't let anybody lose their job, but you've seen a number of uh, companies highlight uh, cost cuts and um, supporting margins and, you know, seemingly helping uh, lift these stocks. So th that that's probably the thing that jumps out the most to me on this page. Um, but you also have, you know, kind of a cyclical defensive dynamic going on where the more economically sensitive sectors uh, have done better recently, right. and the defensives. Um, I mean, you see, we've got declines for healthcare, declines for utilities, at least last week. Um, and uh, I mean, Staples was in line, but um, you know, the 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 winners were the ones that were economically sensitive. So, anything to add to that, Quincy? Before we move yeah, on, I would. I, I some of the names coming under industrial, whether they were the defense stocks, whether they were the uh, uh, machinery. Uh, and many of the the, the stocks within the, um, the the industrial sector so associated with them. With the, uh, just, this is just an example, but take a look at Honeywell, for example. All of all of those perform rather well, suggesting that uh, there is growth, suggesting that there's demand. Absolutely, yeah. Capital expenditures uh, have hung in there pretty nicely. I think there's some productivity investment mm -hmm. uh, going on with a lot of the companies in the industrial sector, a sector that we still like. So good, good point. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Quincy. The, uh, you know, the fixed income markets were, you know, I guess you could say um, um, strong last week. You know, we had, I guess, rates come down. They liked the inflation data uh, recently. These are really strong uh, weekly yeah. numbers. You know, a lot yeah. of the bond index is up almost 1%. Uh, but what's most interesting to me on this table is the oil movement, right, that drove the energy down. Oil was down a little over 2% uh, last week, led to the energy sector weakness. Energy down again uh, today at last check. Um, it's Monday afternoon as we're recording this uh, because of the weak Chinese uh, PMI data. So, um, Quincy, is the China reopening fizzling out or... Is this one of those cases where you just say one month doesn't make a trend and, um, you know, things are kind of progressing as expected? What do you think? I think it's just the momentum, you know, has has eased. I mean, there was such exhilaration uh, by the market uh, when the uh, curbs were lifted in terms of COVID. Uh, and then ultimately so many people got COVID in, in uh, China. But I, I think that the momentum is there. Uh, it's begun with the consumer spending. We saw those numbers. They were very strong. And as the year progresses, we're expecting that the economy will be underpinned by 
more sectors than just uh, the consumer sector. The consumer sector should certainly uh, get uh, a boost from lower inflation, lower yeah. energy prices. That's certainly been happening uh, yeah. in, in recent months. So um, let's go to uh, the Fed now, Quincy. This is, again, probably the biggest event of the week. Uh, even though the market is already pricing in a 25 basis point hike, uh, the you know guidance or whether they pause is certainly an open question or how hawkish uh, the message will be. So, you know, I'll set this up and then I'll um, turn over to you. So I think it's interesting to look at how restrictive the Fed is right now by comparing the Fed funds rate to the inflation rate. So we use the Fed's preferred inflation measure, the uh, core PCE deflator. Uh, that's the blue line on this chart. And it is actually now below uh, the Fed funds rate based on the upper bound. The Fed funds rate is a range. So what this means is that uh, they are restrictive, right? Because you, another way to say that is real rates, inflation adjusted rates are positive. They are restrictive. And we haven't even seen much impact from the banking stress, right? And inflation is falling and will likely continue to fall. We don't know necessarily how fast, but continue to fall. And so that what that means is that this Fed funds rate is going to be well above the inflation rate pretty soon here because we're going to get another rate hike and then we're probably going to sit there for a bit while inflation falls and while the economy presumably continues to slow. So uh, I think the Fed, and I think you probably agree with me, Quincy, is going to be real careful after this hike this week, most likely. Uh, and it's going to be tough to hike in June. So I'll put up the Fed funds uh, futures curves here. This is the curve this month versus last month where you can see the market's pricing and cuts. So um, the first question is, are we going to get a clear pause, Quincy? And then the next question is, will the market start to unprice these rate cuts that are priced in for um, the second half of the year? I think the market's still looking for three cuts. Right. You know, the, the problem that the Fed has, I mean, it, it's a problem. I think any Fed at this particular time, makeup of the Fed, is that if, if it's a dovish pause, the market takes off. And that's not exactly what the Fed wants, right? They want, they want tighter conditions. The, the, the market takes off. The dollar goes, weakens even more, uh, which is also a global, for the global economy, it's, uh, it, it, it tends to be an easing. So that's the difficulty that the Fed has. But there's another difficulty, and that is that we're seeing the prices paid component um, of some of the regional uh, reports on manufacturing. But today, uh, this is Monday, the Institute for Supply Management uh, purchasing manager manufacturing side of the equation, not, not, the, not the consumer side service sector, uh, showed that um, – a tick up, which was good news, right? Because it's been in contraction territory for so many months. So we saw a tick up, which is good, except that the price is paid component really is hot. This is something that has to bother the Fed because they simply don't want to have, you know, a slowing economy and prices continuing to climb. I hate to say it, it's the S word, uh, but they're talking about stagnation light. 
perhaps seeping in. That's something that Powell does not want to see because, you know, he talks about it, uh, Jeff, so many times in the speeches. They don't want to repeat the mistakes of the 1970s. So the, I, don't, I can't imagine that they're going to come in with a dovish pause if they do pause. Uh, it, I think it's going to tell the market, look, we're still watching for inflation. We're, we're not giving up. We're not, we're, not, we're not terminating at this point. That, that's my take on it because that price is paid. That is significant. Yeah, it, it is going to be, I think, real convenient for Powell to be data dependent, right? And yes. leave the door yes. open and yes. leave the flexibility, right? The optionality to do something different. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. Again, it's, it's going to be tougher for the Fed to hike in June. Could they? Sure. Um, I think you looked at this, right? Aren't the odds about one in three right yeah, now? Yeah, but I, I can tell you that after the prices paid po component came out, when the ISM report came out today. Now, look, we'll get the service sector uh, ISM report later this week. But when the manufacturing came out, this is what happened automatically. The uh, dollar climbed, right? And why would it climb it? Because it says, gee, the Fed may not be as dovish if they do pause. Maybe they will be a little bit more hawkish in the pause if they pause. That was one thing. The second thing that happened was that the 10-year Treasury yield inched higher. And then the third thing that happened was the U.S. dollar climbed a bit. So all of that suggests that the market took notice of that. It wasn't neutral. It wasn't, well, but this doesn't really matter. The market certainly took notice of it. And I would imagine that the Fed is paying close attention to it as well and looking to see, are we seeing prices paid across the board? And I'm sure they have their economists working on that. We know that rents have been slow to come down, or at least rent increases have been slow to ebb, maybe is a better way to put it. Uh, and then we know the you know employment cost index wasn't particularly great right. uh, for the first quarter. So yeah, and the, you'll hear that they have more work to do. They're not going to declare victory, uh, but um, I think if you could fast forward a month, they'll yeah. see they'll see enough for five six weeks. Whenever the next meeting is after the May meeting, they'll, you'll they'll probably see enough evidence to uh, to support a pause. It's just not going to be a green light. Uh, I agree with you. It won't be green light. It won't be clear that right. it is a definitive pause. And, and Jeff, just to go back for one thing, because it is really important on the, in terms of the rents, every industry report suggests the rents are coming down. And at some point, it's going to hit the CPI first and the PP, uh, producer price, um, not the producer price, the PC, personal consumption's expenditures uh, uh, price index. We'll start to see it show up there. And that'll be significant in bringing the overall picture of inflation coming down in a more meaningful way. Absolutely. Uh, so let's shift to, to earnings now. Um, we teased this a little bit already in, in yeah. walking through some of the companies that drove the gains last uh -huh. week. Uh, but here we've got the you know aggregated numbers. Th this is really... Um, I mean, maybe amazing is too strong, but but really impressive what happened last week. Um, so now we're tracking to about a three percent decline in S and P five hundred earnings for Q one. Yeah. Uh, so that is you know a few points better than what we did in Q four. We're yeah. only about sixty percent done in terms of the number of companies that have reported. 
So there's more upside to this. Frankly, I don't think anybody would have said we had a shot at flat. I still don't think we're going to get to flat, but just to be able to do down one or down two oh, yeah. uh, is, is, is really impressive upside because we were looking at down seven when earnings season began yeah. Yeah. based on um, fact set numbers. So I think that's uh, really key. And, but, you know, similarly, I didn't think that we would be able to see earnings growth in Q3. That estimate there is hanging in there, up 1.7%. You know, Q3 is a ways off. Uh, we get it. But if um, if companies continue to execute the way they're executing and the economy holds up, maybe that Q3 number is pretty close to flat. And maybe we can set up a Q4 rally on a really strong earnings rebound in Q4. That seems reasonable to me. We'll have to wait and see. But right now, the consensus estimates are reflecting a little bit of a bigger decline in in uh, Q2 uh, relative to um, Q1. Of course, we know that companies play this game yeah. uh, where they lower earnings estimates in them, and then they allow uh, themselves to beat them. So that's um, you know kind of the growth trajectory in the high-level picture here, the numbers. Uh, and this is where I really want to uh, zoom in on the um, – the estimates here, Quincy, because we know that estimates almost always fall uh, during earnings season, right? Analysts come in too optimistic. In fact, on average, estimates fall about 10% in an average year, uh, and they fall about 2.5% in an average quarter. At least that's been the recent you know, trend in maybe recent decades. Um, estimates went up last week, which is just amazing, I right? I don't think anybody expected that, and so... Given how far along we are, it's possible that that $220 you know, number for S&P 500 earnings in 2023 could hold through this entire earnings season when I think most people expected that to go down. I even expected it to drop you know, maybe 3 to $5. Um, it's, it's hanging in there. So what do you attribute that to, Quincy? Well, like, you know, it's still a strong economy. It's, it's interesting that the... Um, GDP now, there are a number of GDP now, uh, how do I say, forecasts, right? Uh, you've got uh, the Atlanta Fed now and there, there are a couple of others, but they're trending for growth for the second quarter where we are uh, at about, at this point, at about 1.7, 1.8% GDP. So again, how do I say this, all of the recession talk, the recession talk um, gets pushed, pushed deeper into the year that I mean, by, by the time we get through it, uh, the market will be, well, okay, okay, bring on this recession because we're talking now about fourth quarter. And that is what's so interesting about this entire scenario. Uh, we'll get more about the labor market because again, the labor market is holding up and the path towards a recession invariably starts in the normal way from Companies reporting tremendous pressure on their margins, cost cutting, as you pointed out, cost cutting, that includes layoffs, that lead to the unemployment rate climbing, and then that leads to consumer spending uh, turning down. And then you do that for about two, three months, you've got a recession. At this point, we don't see this trajectory. Consumers are still spending. We see that from the earnings, and companies are being more selective in what they're buying, but, they're, but it isn't as if they've turned off the spigots entirely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, to have 
the, the way I would explain it is you have to inflate before you deflate, right? And so this economy might have to inflate a little bit more, right? Yeah. We might be late in this economic mini cycle. Yeah. Right? I mean, we we just came out of recession, what, less than three years ago. Yeah. Um, so we're having a, you know, kind of a compressed cycle. Some people think it's a continuation of the previous cycle and the pandemic lockdowns don't really count. Whatever your view is on that, we're probably late cycle and, and it's just going to take a little bit longer than I think a lot of people thought uh, to actually enter recession. Certainly the, and we've talked about this for really a couple of years now, consumers have just so much cash, right? It's, they can continue to pay those higher prices for those consumer goods that you mentioned with the, the Coca-Colas, the Pepsis, the Procter & Gamble's. Uh, we'll probably see consumers pay for iPhones, right, when Apple uh, reports uh, here uh, a little bit later this week. So, yeah, consumers are still hanging in there. In fact, the consumer discretionary sector has the best upside surprises of all 11 sectors so far. Uh, uh, I remember the, uh, you know, the, I mean, Amazon's a, a decent chunk of that, but I think the average Upside surprise for consumer discretionary companies so far is over 20% on the bottom line. That's that's big. What about home builders? That's amazing. Home builders, up, up. Amid a, a mortgage rate that has been climbing, home builders are up. That, that's, that's the market doing its job. That's the market looking ahead. Absolutely. Uh, I am uh, stimulating the home improvement market. <laughs> Same here. In the second quarter. You too? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah, look look for my money in in, uh, in Home Depot in Q2. because they, they know my name at Lowe's. They actually know my name at Lowe's. Yes, they, they know me when I walk in. There aren't that many people yeah. working there, but they know my name. Based on the number of trucks on my street, uh, <laughs> home construction, and home improvement are both booming, I can yes. assure you. So, so um, we'll, we'll see. Maybe we get a surprise again, you know, in next quarter's earnings season. Perhaps. Uh, and those, those components of consumer discretionary uh, can continue to, to, to do well. So let's let's preview the week ahead, Quincy, um, a little bit more because we, we talked a lot about uh, the week ahead already. Yeah. Because you mentioned the ISM and that prices paid component. Oh. You know, those of you with good eyes can see the prices paid component of the ISM jumped four points uh, month over month. So that was certainly a little bit disappointing for, you know, folks who are rooting for the Fed pause or pivot. But I would actually point to the the bump up in the uh, manufacturing index is certainly yeah. a positive. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, it's not really a recessionary reading, but it's, it's right on the line, I would say. To go up to forty-seven point one. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. certainly, we know it's a slow environment. Sure, I guess I can't really argue if somebody claims that we have a mild manufacturing recession mm -hmm. uh, right now, or at least a mild manufacturing contraction right now. But remember, the ISM is is correlated well with earnings. Yes. And so if the ISM is maybe troughing in around this level, I mean, we don't know that, but. If it is, that maybe adds to the earnings trough story. And then I actually brought up the point at our tactical investment committee meeting uh, earlier today that um, South Korean exports seem to be troughing. And those are correlated well with earnings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, closely tied to just global tech demand. Yeah. So, you know, maybe um, 
maybe we're going to see a 5% or so earnings decline. And that's about it. That would be very bullish because certainly people expect, you know, 10, 15% oh, declines in earnings widely across this industry. Yep. Yes. So what else, Quincy, this week? I mean, we talked about the Fed. We talked about earnings uh, already. I believe Apple's on Thursday, so that'll get a lot of attention. Oh. My family is going to be, you know, closely watching the Starbucks numbers to see how much help we provided there, mm-hmm. um, especially my daughter with her pink drinks. Um, what, what else um, on this page? I mean, the job, the job numbers are, are important, given the concern with inflation. Anything people should be looking for there? Well, we're going to pay attention to wages. We're going to be paying attention to how many new workers are coming in looking for jobs. Uh, obviously, the more people that come in looking for jobs, it helps the Fed uh, with their, regarding their concerns about uh, wages, because the more, 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 the larger the pool of, of potential workers, uh, it helps ease the pressure on having to wage, raise wages. So that would be very helpful. But I think that, I think above all else, it'll be how many new jobs. We know that if the number of new, of new jobs created comes down materially, we're getting to that point then that the market says, OK, we're moving towards a recession because usually a recession is is there when there are no new jobs and, you, and if you're getting close to it. So we'll watch to see if we have upside surprises or does that number start to um, start to uh, indicate that there is trouble in the, in the labor market. So uh, number of hours worked is very important. Uh, and also the overall work week, that, that's important as well. And, and where are the jobs coming from? Are they the, just the service sector, hospitality? Are we seeing more professional-related jobs uh, in construction? That has been a leader. All of this is, is important. And, and also manufacturing, because we just talked about the issue with manufacturing. I think we're gonna, this week actually going to also have factory orders uh, uh, in the uh, data, uh, data releases. Yeah, it's it's a huge week. Uh, oh, oh my goodness! Huge, huge oh. week. Even well, we didn't even mention the ECB, right? And we'll probably get a rate hike out of them. I would expect twenty five basis points, not fifty, but there are certainly some in the fifty camp. Oh yeah. Uh, so you, you know, you had all this economic data, this important economic data. Uh, you know, payrolls consensus is one eighty. That maybe isn't too exciting, but if it, of course, if if the number is far off from that in either direction, yeah, uh, it will get attention and it will move the market, especially the bond market, no doubt. Um, but we get 160 something companies, S and P 500 companies reporting this week. It's not just you know just because Microsoft and you know Alphabet and Meta are done and the banks are done doesn't mean that there's not more earnings reports because wow, uh, it's it's going to be. Um, dizzying how many um, reports we get this week. So that, that is a lot to digest. And I think if we continue to hold near this, you know, 4,200 level on S&P 500, you would have to uh, view that uh, positively, mm-hmm. certainly. But um, any any number of these big events could, um, could certainly move us um, in either direction. We're still uh, on the LPL Research uh, Asset Allocation Committee, slightly overweight equities, but we are certainly watching all of these numbers very, very closely. And, um, you know, as we get closer to our year-end target, certainly we're going to have discussions about maybe pulling back um, a bit. The um, 
Last thing, we didn't talk about this. I want to preview the weekly market commentary for everybody. I didn't put it in this deck, but uh, sell and may go away. Uh, oh. starts a lot of attention in the press about that. So um, you can go to LPL.com and see our sell and may commentary. We've probably done this every year. Gosh, I mean, this might go back even like 15 years <laughs> in this department. Yeah. Yeah. LPL research writing about sell and may go away. Um, most important point I want to make there Actually, two points. On average, stocks are up during this six-month period, May through October, even though it's historically the weakest six months. Right, that's one. And two, the the sell in May adage hasn't worked uh, over the past decade. We've actually had nine out of eleven of these periods. The last nine out of eleven have been higher for the S and P five hundred. Average gain about four and a half percent. And, uh, you know, there you have, a, what, about an 80% beat rate. So, you know, the message here is don't just sell because of that pattern. Actually, you know, the data says, you know, maybe be a little bit cautious because you can get 4 5% in bonds. But, you know, don't get too cautious here because, um, you know, history would tell you that you know, stocks are pretty likely to, um, uh, to move higher here over the next six months. If we can get a couple of percentage points in the next few months and then finish the year with a nice little rally, we think we can still get to our 4,300 to 4,400 target in the S&P 500 by year end. So still optimistic, but being a little bit careful uh, as um, stocks have moved higher. I think we're 16% off the October lows. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, that's a pretty big move. And, And if you look at the chart, even though we had as, as you saw earlier, even though we've had a series of higher lows, we're still kind of at the top of this range. And it's it's possible we're still in a range-bound market. Uh, and we uh, it takes some time to break through that 4,200 uh, and make a run at 4,300. So um, sell a go away, commentary on uphill.com. Uh, anything else to add to any of that, Quincy, before we wrap up? I would just say keep your eye on gold. Gold. Watch it. Watch it because gold gold will always sniff out whether or not inflation is too sticky. Uh, Gold gold will will flourish in in that environment. So I'm I'm keeping my eye on it. Yes. uh, If if this environment is more of like a stagflation, we don't think it is. Um, But if it is, gold would probably be or gold related investments. Yeah. would probably work uh, in that environment. So it's a good point. Likes the falling dollar, likes interest rates down. Um, mm-hmm. Precious yeah. metal-related investments tend to like banking crises, right? We're not really in a banking crisis per se, uh, but certainly we may have some more ripples yeah. from the Silicon Valley First Republic Bank quake, uh, if you will. So. Good, good point uh, on that. With that, let's um, let's wrap it up for this week. Thanks, Quincy, for jumping yeah. in, filling Thank in you. for uh, Jeffrey Roach. We'll we'll try to get him back next week. Uh, if not, you'll you probably hear from uh, Lawrence or from uh, Adam again. Uh, as always, uh, thanks for joining us for LPL Market Signals. We'll be back with you next week. See you thanks then. Soon. Thank you so much. Thanks everybody. Thank you.
This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency, not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposit or obligations, and may lose value.